You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Noelle Herhusky-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. Later in the program, the Bloomington City Council held their last meeting of the year last week. More coverage on that meeting during today's headlines. Also coming up in the next half hour, Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between Lil Bub's Big Fun and the WFHB Local News. But first, your local headlines. On December 13th, the Bloomington City Council held its weekly meeting. The agenda included a second reading of an amendment to the city's municipal code that would require closed captioning for deaf patrons in places of public accommodation or places of offering goods, facilities, and services such as businesses and restaurants. City Clerk Nicole Bolden read the amendment. Ordinance 2331 to amend Title II of the Bloomington Municipal Code entitled Administration and Personnel. Thank you. Regarding amending Chapter 2.23, Community and Family Resources Department, by adding Section 2.23.240, closed captioning in places of public accommodation. This synopsis is as follows. This ordinance is sponsored by Councilmember Volan and makes amendments to Title II of the Bloomington Municipal Code to add a new Section 2.23.240 entitled Closed Captioning in Places of Public Accommodation that would require places of public accommodation to activate closed captioning on closed captioning television receivers. Councilmember Steve Volan then offered a summary of the legislation. I'm going to take less than five minutes to give an overview of this ordinance. Uh, There are others here in support of it, some of whom you'll hear from at some point this evening. Uh, Let me start by correcting uh, any perception about the numbering of the ordinance. In development, it was uh, Ordinance 2333, but was renumbered to 2331 before it was uh, disseminated. Some people who've been speaking in support of it might have been confused by the renumbering. So let me present Ordinance 2331. It adds... Section 2.23.240 to City Code to require that any establishments that display television programming in their places of business for the benefit of customers, clients, or patients should have closed captioning active on those TVs whenever they're open to the public. Any place that provides TV programming as a service to their patrons, their, their, uh, their patients, their clients, should be turning on the closed captioning feature as a matter of course, whether it's a bar or a restaurant with TVs showing sporting events, news channels, entertainment programming, uh, places with televisions in their lobbies, their sales floors, or their waiting rooms also count as what we in City Code call public accommodations. Uh, Big box stores with televisions for sale, banks, hotels, entertainment centers like cinemas, bowling alleys or pool halls, hospitals, medical offices, and barber or beauty shops, among others. The ordinance would require those places of public accommodation with TVs to turn on captioning during their operating hours 
whether they be normal business hours from nine to five weekdays, whenever waiting rooms or sales floors are open to the public, or if they're open 24 hours a day to the public in the case of some medical facilities, captioning would uh, not need to be on before or after hours if only employees are present. Enforcement of this ordinance would be handled in the same way as any potential human rights violation in response to a complaint and addressed through the city's adjudication, adjudication process for such complaints. The original draft of the ordinance contemplated a two-year phase-in and education period for local establishments, but the Indiana Association for the Deaf and the city's Council for Communities Accessibility both recommended a start date of January 1, 2025, which I now also endorse. Volan went on to describe the challenges that such legislation would solve for individuals with disabilities. Uh, while captioning may seem to the casual observer like a requirement too trivial to be deserving of an ordinance, it's significant to those with hearing loss. It removes a barrier. It relieves an obligation to request accommodation to be treated equally in public. And it relieves the indignity of having to reveal, explain, or justify the need for accommodation. And it serves everyone who is temporarily unable to hear televisions in crowded and noisy public environments. Uh, among other people who have come out in support of it, uh, it's supported by Bitta Deweese, the CEO of Stonebelt Arc here in Bloomington. It's supported by the Indianapolis and Michiana chapters of the Hearing Loss Association of America. It's supported by the Indiana chapter of the Registry of Interpreters for the Deaf and is supported by the Autism Society of Indiana uh, who uh, say that individuals on the autism spectrum have difficulties with communication skills. The proposed closed captioning city ordinance will allow these individuals a different way to receive information and communication in a different capacity meeting individual needs as an illustration of the diverse audiences that this would serve. Across the board, it's a good idea. It's easy to implement. It's of service to all. It's a step towards inclusivity and better accommodation of everyone in our society. So with that, I'd like to introduce Holly Elkins, who wanted to make a presentation. Uh, if she would come up and, uh, and address the council, I think we'd appreciate it. Holly Elkins, a representative for the Indiana Association of the Deaf, then delivered a presentation before the council on the importance of the ordinance from the deaf community's perspective. I am here representing the Indiana Association of the Deaf. And um, I thought that I would share some of my own personal experiences as a deaf person. I am one of 500,000 residents of Indiana who have hearing loss. My journey started here in Bloomington. I'm the sole deaf person in my hearing family. I went to Gallaudet University in Washington, DC. I was a student there. And while I was there, my peers taught me the importance of identifying myself as a deaf person. And I turned my deafness into a positive trait. During my time at Gallaudet University, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, was passed in 1990. And that was a paramount uh, legislation for disabled people throughout the country. 
One of the positive aspects of the ADA was that they required captioning on TVs. They required a chip to be placed in any TV that was 13 inches or larger. They had to enable closed captions so that sports, news, programming could all be accessible by deaf people. Now, while this was the intention of the ADA, it was very admirable. Uh, however, it was a mixed bag because people with disabilities still experience barriers every day in our daily lives. One example of that is I had a family member in the hospital and they were nearing death. As I sat in that hospital room, there were no TV captions. Imagine if I was the patient in that room, I would not be able to follow or understand any of the programming, watch my favorite shows, Jeopardy, for example. If it was me, that would just drive me up the walls, not being able to have that programming. Elkins then expanded upon the impact of the ordinance on the whole disability community and provided evidence demonstrating the rising need for closed captioning. And so, you know, we are talking about deaf and hard of hearing people that it um, not only affects us, but it impacts different groups of people. For example, people who go to a restaurant, their local restaurant, and maybe it's so loud in the restaurant with everybody talking um, that they, they don't understand what's on the, the TV screen. And I'm sure that many of you have experienced this, right? You would like to see captions on the screen so you could understand what the programming is saying. Evidence is growing that there is an increased demand for subtitles and closed captions. And it's all documented by research. Recently in 2022, why Pulse did a study uh, with a TV and entertainment report, and they showed that those who are age 15 to 39 prefer watching TV programs and movies with English subtitles. 59% of Generation Z prefers having English subtitles and captions on their programming. 52% of millennials have said they prefer watching TV with subtitles and captions. The same study also showed that globally, foreign movies and such, 76% of Generation Z and Millennials prefer watching foreign content with English subtitles. Another company did research, it's called uh, Three Media Play, and they did research on American viewing preferences in regard to captions, they did a survey and they found that 25% of the people said that they had hearing loss. The rest all said that they preferred the captions and they had no hearing loss. Elkins concluded by affirming her support for the ordinance. In conclusion, please support the caption 
captioning ordinance without delay. It does not cost businesses any funds. It does not require any special equipment or accommodations. For example, the ramps, you know, that, that is um, a financial cost, whereas this, there is none. Um, it's not complicated. All they have to do is activate the closed captioning on their TV screens. So before I finish this night, I would like to acknowledge and appreciate Councilman Volan for his um, um, bringing this ordinance to your attention. Thanks for all of your action on this ordinance, and thank you for listening to me tonight. Uh, do you have any questions for me? I would be happy to answer them. Before opening up for questions, Councilmember Volan offered comments on Elkin's statement. I just wanted to say, listening to Ms. Elkins now, I realize the benefits that uh, that I've experienced just personally. Um, I was in the hospital for a week, 10 years ago, unable to eat or sleep. And the only thing that got me through was uh, all night long marathons of law and order. And uh, if I could not have even enjoyed those because I couldn't do anything else, if I couldn't have uh, understood them, I don't know what I would have done. Uh, I know that uh, as somebody who actively speaks Greek, I learn the language better when I can read the captions of pro Greek language programming that I'm watching. And I have benefited from being able to read a screen in a loud environment where, where it's impossible to talk otherwise, where you could never hear the programming. So even if it didn't benefit me at all, uh, this is a good, simple idea uh, across the board. Again, it's easy to implement. It's of service to everyone. It's a step towards inclusivity and better accommodation of everyone in our society. Councilmember Isabel Piedmont-Smith asked Councilmember Volan about how enforcement of the ordinance would be conducted in city businesses. Councilmember Volan and Michael Shermis of the Council for Community Accessibility responded. This ordinance does not uh, exp uh, specify a plan that is something for the administration to carry out. Um, I understand, I mean, I've talked with Mr. Shermis about this, uh, but I don't know that we have a specific uh, plan for doing it. I think, uh, uh, do you, can you add to this, Mr. Shermis? Because I don't know what I would say. Yeah, hi, I'm uh, Michael Shermis, uh, Community Family Resources Department, uh, and uh, I'm the staff liaison for the Council for Community Accessibility and the Human Rights Director for the Bloomington Monroe County Human Rights Commission. Um, yeah, uh, well, there are plenty of ways that we're gonna try to get the word out about it. Um, one would be, of course, our newsletter, Facebook post, uh, and obviously a, a press release, so the general public can know about it. Um, we are in discussion, uh, want to see the ordinance get passed first, to potentially have uh, a, a decal that may go on the door, real simple, straightforward kind of thing that would say closed captioning uh, available here kind of thing, and mostly in a graphic way kind of thing. And that may be something that we uh, pass out to businesses that are, that are uh, you know, in restaurants that are doing that. So that's a possibility. So that's some of the ways. I will also note that uh, Christopher M.G. from the Chamber and I attended a meeting in August with uh, members of the city government in Seattle who told us about their closed captioning ordinance, and uh, they uh, had similar plans for getting the word out. 
Um, so whether it's a decal or just sort of, I mean, there will also be the, I, I don't know that, um, at least for the first year, there will be uh, any kind of complaints that uh, Mr. Shermer's might field would be just a, a notice that would not have any penalty. Shermus then continued by explaining how the enforcement process works when disability discrimination presents itself. The enforcement would be the same kind of way that we currently deal with any kind of uh, issue that comes in on disability. So if somebody comes to me with uh, this restaurant has, uh, it lacks accessibility for this, or uh, this apartment building is not doing this, uh, whatever the issue may be, um, uh, I will frequently try to get more information and potentially will go out and investigate it by taking a look at it. So this would probably be the kind of thing where if somebody reported that there was a bar or restaurant that didn't have closed captioning on, I'd probably just drop by and tell them, just want to educate you about the uh, ordinance on closed captions and um, would ask that you would turn that on because there's been a complaint. Um, if they refuse to do something like that, then I would probably ask the person that had put the complaint in to file a, a formal complaint just like we do with any form of discrimination and then we would formally investigate it and, uh, uh, you know, talk to witnesses, et cetera, and, uh, and then make a finding on that just like we do with any form of discrimination. Councilmember Dave Rollo then asked Shermus about whether or not financial penalties would be used to ensure businesses comply. Well, I have a related question. I was interested in the enforcement provision. And um, so an individual may allege a violation, filing a complaint with the Bloomington Monroe County Human Rights Commission, and then the Human Rights Commission shall have the authority to investigate uh, complaints and issue appropriate orders pursuant to Bloomington Municipal Code. So there are no monetary penalties, is that my understanding, or are there? Uh, no, they're not. Okay. We would have an issue with that as the Human Rights Commission in, our, in their discussion because that's not the purpose of the commission to levy fines. It was to investigate discrimination. So that's what the ordinance says. That's what we do. Um, that would bring a whole nother level that we weren't uh, even willing to go there and saw no reason to uh, to make it into something that it's not. When we had discussions with uh, uh, Holly Elkins and, and Councilmember Volan uh, and somebody from the business community with the Seattle people, uh, one of the big first concerns was, well, how many complaints are you getting so that we have some idea? Because, you know, if you're getting a lot of complaints, this would be a ton more work. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, just a couple. And it was like, oh, so this is not a big deal. And why make it a big deal by trying to create this fine structure and on all that when we didn't need it? And that's what we decided on. Councilmember Volin followed up on Shermis' comments. Something that we had talked about with the chamber. And uh, while they were a little concerned about uh, the, um, the burden it might place, the, the remedy is so elementary Again, as you heard Ms. Elkins say, uh, it, they're, they're, the ADA required chips to be built into TV sets for this purpose. So it's all I have to do is turn them on. Councilmember Rollo praised Shermis for his efforts and argued that much work is still needed for full accessibility to be achieved, which was affirmed by Councilmember Volan. 
appreciate this effort and all the work you've done to um, address these deficiencies. I, I was just texted by a constituent who said that um, Katz is, does not have closed captioning of our meeting this evening, and uh, and I've and in the past we've had a, uh, someone signing for those who are hearing impaired, but somehow that has been dropped. I think we need to focus on our own meeting in terms of accessibility as well. Um, the, normally our captioning is on since we've gone hybrid meetings, even when all members of council are here. Uh, it is now, it has been our default, as I think all of us will have noticed, for at least, I mean, we've been back meeting in chambers since uh, uh, March 2022, and uh, like many other people, we've gone permanently hybrid. That has had the added benefit of providing uh, captioning uh, on all our screens, which are on all the time during our meetings. So. Uh, it's proven to be a, an acceptable solution. Um, uh, we, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, uh, I'm a little disappointed to realize that uh, CATS itself does not have closed captioning on, but I, I would think that uh, they should be able to, uh, people should be able to turn it on at home. It's not automatic. Uh, but if you have control over your own TV set, that's up to you to turn it on. AARP staff member Dan Dosick then spoke on why he and his organization supported the ordinance. Of course, thank you. Uh, my name for the record is Dan Dosick. I am a staff member with AARP Indiana. Uh, well, good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you uh, to the City of Bloomington Common Council members and Mayor Hamilton. Uh, I can go ahead and put this uh, public comment in the chat as well, just in case there's uh, technical difficulties. But I'd like to thank you all so much for your time and the opportunity to comment on Ordinance 2331. Uh, of course, I, again, am a staff member with AARP Indiana, the office of the nationwide organization that aims to empower Hoosiers to choose how they live as they age. We are glad to support this ordinance on behalf of AARP Indiana's approximately 12,000 members in the city of Bloomington. Hearing loss affects more than 30 million Americans. We voice our support for this legislation alongside other community partners to express the importance of identifying the needs, concerns, and barriers faced by individuals who experience hearing impairment or complete hearing loss. Ordinance 2331 promotes the health and inclusion of all individuals and their families and allows everyone to be engaged. This is an easy accommodation to comply with that yields a great reward for so many. Nearly 50 people have signed an online AARP petition in support of this ordinance. If the council adopts ordinance 2331, it will mean that every person in a public space will be able to receive crucial information like severe weather warnings via screens. It also means everyone, despite complete hearing loss or impairment, will be able to fully enjoy the fun stuff like basketball games too. Thank you again for hearing AARP Indiana's views on this proposal. We respectfully ask for you to support Ordinance 2331. Thank you again. The City Council approved the ordinance unanimously. This was the last City Council meeting of the year. The Council will meet for an organizational meeting on January 10th of next year. Up next, Lil Bub's Little Show, a co-production between Lil Bub's Big Fund and the WFHB Local News. We turn now to that segment.
Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. First, here's today's featured animal. Today's featured pet is Icarus a sweet senior cat at our local Bloomington, Indiana animal shelter. While we're featuring Icarus today, we urge you to consider a senior cat or a black cat when you're considering a new pet, as they are often overlooked in shelter settings. At 15, Icarus is an older lady, but she will fool you with her zoomies and playful nature. While she can play hard, she loves to settle down and snuggle. When she snuggles, she often perches next to you on the couch armrest or right next to you. She loves to look out windows and watch the birds and people walking by. She is also good about staying off the kitchen counters. Icarus likes to chat with you and let you know how her day has been. This petite little lady would love to have a place to retire with someone who loves to play a bit and snuggle a lot. Icarus is a black cat and while it may be hard to believe, Black cats still have a harder time being adopted. Black cats are just like any other cat and make great companion animals. If you're interested in meeting Icarus or another new cat, please call or visit the Bloomington, Indiana shelter today. If you're interested in adopting today's featured pet, you can learn more at our websites, goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. With the holidays right around the corner, it's often a time families are considering bringing a new pet home. There's so much to consider before adopting a pet. Last week, we covered bringing home a new dog And today's featured topic on Lil Bub's Lil Show is how to prepare for a new cat. Caring for a companion animal goes far beyond providing food, water, and shelter. It takes research and careful planning to bring the right pet into your home and to make sure your lifestyle is the right one for your pet. The first question to ask yourself is, are you ready to adopt? When adopting a pet, you are making a commitment to care for an animal for the rest of their life. That could mean 10 to 15 years for dogs and up to 20 years for cats. As you go through lifestyle changes, such as moves, the birth of children, and new jobs, your animal will remain a permanent part of your life. If circumstances change, will you still be able to care for your pet? And if not, do you have a plan for your animal to be cared for? Owning a cat costs more than the initial adoption fee. Food, veterinary care, spaying or neutering and proper identification, that means a collar with tags and a more permanent form of ID such as microchipping can add up. Make sure you have resources set aside to care for your pet as needed and look for a nonprofit veterinary clinic in your community. We are lucky to have the Monroe Humane Association serving South Central Indiana and offering low-cost veterinary services. Time is also a factor. Cats are healthiest and happiest indoors and love to be treated to energetic play sessions. 
If your work demands that you travel often, or if you're out of the house most days and evenings, this may not be the right time to adopt. Cats are known to be graceful, athletic, playful, sensitive, and affectionate. Make sure everyone in the house is prepared to have a cat. Cats can be very independent. Make sure everyone knows that the fun begins only after the cat feels safe and their needs are met. Once you're sure everyone is ready for feeding, litter changing, and grooming, you can divvy up chores among family members so everyone is prepared to care for your new cat before she arrives. Remember, it's incredibly important to have your new cat spayed or neutered. To make your new cat feel at home, here are a few things you can do. Have a cozy bed for your new pet. Pets are much more likely to keep off of furniture if they have attractive alternatives. If your cat likes to scratch things, try putting double-sided sticky tape or upside-down carpet runners on furniture to discourage them from scratching. Avoid vertical blinds, pooling drapery, ornate tassels, and long cords that can become strangulation hazards. Be sure to install high-quality metal screens on all windows, as many cats love to sit in windows. Make sure to provide your new cat with a variety of scratching posts and perches. Bub thinks you should adopt, not shop, so visit your local rescue or shelter to find your new cat today. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org.